As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. What else with Corey Mann on the Studio DNA Podcast Network? One-on-one conversations with some of your favorite artists. Find this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Spreaker.com. What else with Corey Mann on the Studio DNA Podcast Network? Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks, a podcast that got our degree from the University of Uncommon Sense. It's Sif Pop. Welcome to Sif Pop Weekly, streaming live most Saturday mornings, or available to download later in your podcast feed, unless, of course, you're a patron. Patrons get perks! Patrons get those perks! Woo! I'm your host, Aaron Dicer, and he doesn't do nighttime laundry, but he's very clean. It's Andrew Ormsby, ladies and gentlemen. I don't do daytime laundry either. Ahoy! <laughs> and each week I just we'll throw them out after I wear them. That makes a lot of sense. Disposable clothing. I love it. That's what rich people do, right? They just <laughs> That's throw right. That's right. Rich people just like us. Uh, yeah. Each week we'll chat about movies, TV, or whatever else from the pop culture universe is on our minds. Uh, hey, man. It's you hey. and me today, buddy. Doing a little yeah, uh, two-hander. Re- <laughs> yeah, we, we, we got this. I just realized I'm wearing a Saints hat. Mm-hmm. I got my Saints shirt on, and I I didn't even realize, but I grabbed my Saints mug. Yeah, you're all It's not even out. Sunday. It's not <laughs> even Sunday, and I don't know what's going on, but yeah, it's it's a hoodat day. I, I just thought it was your Halloween costume. I just Your, your, oh, your yeah, Halloween yeah. costume is yourself as a Saints fan. <laughs> yes, that's exactly <laughs> it's, it. That's exactly what's going on. Uh, we've got some, uh, movies to talk about. We're going to talk about Last Night in Soho, Edgar Wright's new film, uh, that is out this weekend in theaters. Uh, and then we're going to talk about Cop Shop, a, uh, a movie that is out yeah. via rental. Um, I don't think it's in theaters. I think it's just something that you can rent. It's uh, not playing locally, at least that I it, saw. Yes, right. Correct. Um, so, but there's been a little bit about buzz about it so we wanted to kind of check it out and do a review for you guys then of course we're going to do best ever challenge we're doing best ever movies with the word last in the title um so and there are a few there are enough to talk about and then of course we'll do some some buried treasure yeah we're gonna have a lot of fun um i think we can get right into it uh i'm excited to talk about it let's talk about uh because here's the thing even before we get into it here's the thing Edgar Wright is one of both of our favorite directors. Both of us love Edgar Wright. His five movies up until now are like transcendent favorites of both of us. So um, yeah, what's your what do you call it? The Hitch List. Yeah, the Uh, Hitch List. That's right. Yeah, five movies in a row that are not just good 
but absolutely great. And Edgar Wright is is one of just a handful, you know, maybe three yeah. or four directors that have ever done that. Um, so, so yeah, absolutely. Uh, we both love him. So let's see what he's doing now. Uh, let's talk about Last Night in Soho. I got this kind of gift. I can see people, places, things others can't. This is the closest most people ever get to their dreams. La, 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 la. Just dreams. Jack, I don't want to do this. You think you can just walk away? It really happened. What did you see? Do you believe in ghosts? A young girl passionate about fashion design is mysteriously able to enter the 1960s where she encounters her idol, a dazzling wannabe singer. But 1960s London is not what it seems, and time seems to be falling apart with shady consequences. Uh, Last Night in Soho, again, is Edgar Wright's sixth film director, uh, directing, um, and he now is going into, is it called uh, Gaio, uh, you know, kind of like thriller, mystery, horror uh, you know, murder, like solving kind of genre. Um, I didn't know that there was a sub, uh, like a subclass. Yeah, there's a there's a I've never heard subgenre that deals specifically with like murder mystery, thriller, gore, oh, uh, kind of stuff. I think. Um, but anyways, yeah. So you've got uh, Edgar Wright directing. Lots of people doing lots of stuff. What do you think? Uh, did you like it? Love it? Dislike it? Hate it? Or it was just okay. Well, Aaron, as you said earlier, he is on our hitch list. Like mm-hmm. we absolutely love every single one of his movies he's made so far. Mm-hmm. And now he comes out with Last Night in Soho. It's okay. <laughs> oh, that's got to hurt to say for you, doesn't it? Like, yeah, that's kind of one of those things. Hey, okay, I, I I have to say, the reason why I'm saying it's okay is because there are things I love about this movie, but there are things I absolutely hate and unfortunately the things that i hate about this movie are the lingering thoughts that i have Mm. and i really wish it was the other way around where i could just really focus in on the things that i love because there's a lot to love about it but the things that i hate that's the what i keep coming back to what about you what do you think well, if you enjoy the episodes where Andrew and I disagree about a movie, then you are going to be bored because I feel exactly the same way you do. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I would go high side of just okay. Um, there's enough I like about it. There's enough uh, that I do love about this movie that, I, that I'm willing to go high side of okay. But like you said, the things I don't like about this movie... I really don't like, and I just think some things don't work. We can start with the positives. I think the easiest yeah. place for me to start is the are the visuals. I think it's his most visually it's stunning insane. movie. It's, it's, it's insane how good they are. It, it's one of the most beautiful movies I've ever seen. Like, it is just good. Yeah. Like, you know, you hear the, the phrases like every frame of painting, those kind of things. Like, that's what this movie feels like. Like, you could pause it anywhere, hang it on your wall, and just love it. You know, it's just, it's gorgeous. Yeah. It, it's it's uh, it's not spoilers. It's, we talked about it, but uh, Thomas and McKenzie's character. Uh, Eloise. Eloise. By the way, uh, Thomas and McKenzie is great in this movie. But uh, she uh, she kind of 
kind of go like goes back in time or has visions of going back in time and stuff and like living vicariously through Anya Taylor Joy's character, you know, mm-hmm. and they kind of switch between you seeing the character of Sandy, which is Anya Taylor Joy, and Eloise. And there are moments where it transitions between the two. And I it was so smooth, like I didn't catch it. Like it's not no, like it's a, they it's not like they like there are moments, yeah, where like one person will walk off screen and another will walk on screen. But I mean, there are moments where like standing right in front, like dead center of the of the screen, and it transitions, and I'm like, oh, I didn't see it, I didn't see it, but it happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it and you know, so and you good. know, a lot of that is practical, right? Like you know, like oh it, yeah, like if you go There's watch it back, scene. you can figure like the, you can figure the magic trick out. You know, in some ways, actually, some of the magic tricks this movie does, I couldn't figure out some of the stuff with mirrors uh, that it did. I was just like, hmm, is that digital or did they find a way to practically do that? Or, you know, I have theories on like the mirror stuff. Like there's a for for instance, there's one where Anya Taylor Joy is walking down a stairwell and then there's like a a glass or a mirror Mm -hmm. wall Mm -hmm. and you see uh, Thomas and McKenzie. And I think that's just a. A straight up like a screen slice, you know, when you have two screens, you know, walking parallel to each other. Yeah. Uh, but man, there. Yeah, like you said, there's a there's a dance scene in this movie mm-hmm. with Matt Smith, where I'm sure that was all practical, where one would like just like be crouching down and then would just pop up and stuff. It's just the mind boggling amount of choreography that had to have gone into that. Mm-hmm is stellar yeah so those are kind of two separate positives that we've already brought up that we really really love one being the visual beauty and the second being the technical achievement of pulling off that those effects right like you know and, and not just that not just that he's pulling off these moments but there are these small like things that happen where it's like yeah if you're not paying attention you are not like if you have your phone up while you're watching this movie when you watch it later at home or whatever you're missing some pretty incredible subtle stuff that's going on and reflections of car windows or you know different things like the way it's one of those movies that rewards nitpicking right like it's one of those movies where like you're if you want to try to nitpick the mirror stuff i think you're gonna fail like i think he he thought about all that stuff yeah like it's it's pretty it's pretty crazy how good that like even moments where she's just like running like really quick by a bunch of mirrors it is absolutely the other one running in the mirror like it's I love that stuff. I think it's that with the visuals are my two favorite things about this movie is just how clever a lot of that stuff is. Did you get any black swan vibes from this movie? Sure. Sure. Of course. Cause I, I definitely, while I was watching them, like I'm not saying that it was copying black swan. I don't want it to come across as that, but I'm like, Oh, I definitely get some, you know, uh, parallel reality kind of, you know, what, what am I seeing? You know, mm-hmm. kind of sublim- sublime, sublime real, in a way. what isn't, yeah, exactly. all that kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah uh, I want to shout out some performances. Please uh, do. I want, obviously, uh, Thomas and McKenzie is our lead and it, it takes a lot for an actor or an actress to, you know, pull off a role like this. So, Props to her for, you know, making it believable, like what this character's going through, the struggles mentally. Uh, I mean, that's just really good. Anya Taylor-Joy, she has, 
more and more that I see her, she really came into her own, I think, in a Queen's Gambit. It With this, not only, you know, her acting prowess, but whenever she walked into a room, the room was hers, and everybody else was just pri- privileged to be there, I guess is a good way to mm-hmm. say it. Even more so in this movie. Like, the first time she walks into that uh that uh that nightclub you know mm-hmm. yeah in that pink gown you know and she's just standing straight up and like her posture the way she carries herself you know yeah, like it's impressive that's, stuff it's her room mm-hmm. that's an energy that is very hard to fake and then and when she walks out into the dance floor and she's doing yes. perfect like 60s style dancing and she just owns the dance floor just owns the room yeah absolutely yeah, and Matt Smith, I haven't seen him do a role like this, I can't think of, where he is just doing... Can we talk about his character at all, or do you think that's spoilerish? It depends on what... Yeah, I mean, it's going to get spoilerish pretty quickly, I think, um, yeah. because there is I just, something... I'll movie... just say, I haven't seen him do a character like this before, Yeah, and I didn't know he had it in him. Yeah, he's got it in him. He does an amazing job with this per- performance. Yeah. I th- I think he's great. I uh I think of those that you mentioned, I think Matt Smith and Anya Taylor Joy are doing great work. I did not connect to Thomas and McKenzie as much as you did. Um, I don't know that it's her fault. Uh, I think I was just struggling a little bit with the fact that because the movie is um so into its mood, because it's really trying to set this you know mystery. Th- thriller vibe that it doesn't give me a lot of points to fall in love with that Thomas and McKenzie character to be like, you know, Oh, I'm, I'm so connected to her. Um, part of that is also that it's, it's hard to use this as a negative because it's definitely purposeful and it serves the movie in other ways, but this is, this is not a funny movie. (laughs) Like, no, not at all. This is, I'm not saying it's humor less. There are, are a couple moments of levity, um, really just one or two, and they both come from the same character, a friend character uh, that Eloise meets. But because, so part of it is expectations, because I know it's Edgar Wright, and I know what a great sense of humor he has, and how well he incorporates humor into all sorts of genres. Um, yep. You know, the, I think expectationally, I was I wanted more, humor, more levity, those kind of things. And because I didn't have mm. it, uh, it does kind of feel a little bit like negative it. to me. I, I missed it. Yeah, it was something I missed. And I think it Im- impacted my ability to connect to the protagonist here. Um, and so, uh, you know, obviously that's not going to be an experience that everybody has, but it was definitely an experience I had. So when it came to, you know, wanting her to succeed, uh, wanting her to uh, accomplish her goals uh, without getting spoilery, um, I I was only invested because she was a human being who I, you know, I was rooting for because she was a human being, not because I was like, oh, Eloise, I love you. Don't, you know, like it was, so there was a little bit of a different, it was a little drier for me uh, in that way, if that makes sense. Yeah. I hope I explained that well, but yeah. No, no, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Can we talk about it? <laughs> I think it's time. I think it's time to go into the negatives a little more. Yeah. The last 20, 25 minutes of this movie are absolutely atrocious it negates so much the ending of this movie 
ruins what I thought was going to be a good message about like mental health. Mm-hmm. I it, it got to the point where I don't know what this movie's trying to say. That's exactly it. It's I, muddled. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> um, there's like a what's supposed to be like a, a crazy reveal. I hate doing this, and I don't m- mean this to sound pretentious or like I'm that good, but it's one of those movies like after you watch it, like, oh, I could have come up with a better ending than that. <laughs> like, you know, uh, can we? I don't know if can, I have that I know, it's just, I know I, it's just the two of us, but do you mind us doing like a spoiler talk on Last Night Soho? Oh, yeah, we'll do some Sif Spoil. Yeah, absolutely. I okay. think a movie like this requires a Sif Spoil. I, I, you know, there's just okay. too much that happens, you know, in the last 20 minutes for us not yeah. to to address it, especially when we're both saying it's, it is the part of the movie that made it, you know, yeah. uh, that brought it down. Um, and I, I agree totally with you. Uh, it, both points that I heard you make that I also agree with uh, were, number one, the actual mystery thriller part of it isn't anything special. There's not, you know, in fact, uh, I I try not to hold it against a movie because I predict something that's going to happen. We, we've talked about this before. But in this case, it felt like it was the only thing that could have happened. Like, it was, the, it was one of those things where... It was like if you do a murder mystery, but you forget to make anybody else a suspect. <laughs> like, it's it's kind of one of those things where I was just like, yeah, I kind of this had to be the answer. Um, so I I, I I guess that's what I was trying to say. Yeah, but in my mind, I'm like, oh, this is Edgar Wright. He's going to come up with something really interesting. Mm-hmm. So in my mind. I was already while watching this movie devising a, a better solution than the obvious one, uh-huh. but when it came out to be the obvious one, I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> well, I could do better than that." But uh, it's it's there is actually a twist in this movie that I really sure. did like. There sure. is a twist in this. Okay, movie well, that we I will really talk about that like. in the sip spoil. The other thing that I heard yeah. you talking about that I deeply, deeply, deeply agree with is thematically this movie confuses itself towards the end in a way that is almost irreparable. It's probably the worst thing about the movie for me. Um, it is. Because, now let's let's be clear. I think the major theme that's going through this is about uh, nostalgia, right? There's, there's a real theme about the things that I love from the past. I wish I could live there. I wish, man, I wish I could go back to the 60s and, and live in that era. It looks so amazing. Yeah. And then I think the movie is trying to make the trauma, the horror be, no, the, you know, the past has so much pain in it, so much trauma in it, so many things that you may not understand, right? That's yeah. fine. That stays fairly consistent, except the movie then starts to do this other thing that has to do with predatory nature. It has to do with, um, you know, the idea of gender politics, the idea of, um, have things gotten better? Like it starts to ask questions that are actually interesting. Like questions like it has, has it gotten better? Where has it gotten better? Um, what does it mean that it's gotten better? And then it just doesn't answer those questions. It doesn't attempt to answer those questions. And in fact, kind of kicks those questions to the curb and says, no, 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 we're going to do this other thing that makes all that thinking you were doing null and void. And it's yeah. it's so weird to me. It's so I, I think it winks at it at the end, and we can talk about it in the sip spoil. I think there is a moment that the movie tries to get that back and tries to go back there, but it's already ruined. It's already it's it's yeah. already discarded in a way that that I didn't think could be saved. Um, and so it just felt very muddled and confused. Also, what I don't like is like after the movie ended, I was like, 
I just so many unanswered questions about what I thought were going to be vital, you know, elements of the movie. Like, I, I guess we could say, like, at the very beginning of this movie, Thomas and McKenzie sees a character, you know, I'll just say, like, in a mirror. That's not spoilers to say. Sure. But in the very beginning of the movie, she sees, and that is not resolved or spoken about or used in any way, shape, or form in this movie to where I'm like, why is this here? I think I can, t- I think I can give you an answer from the filmmaker's perspective in the Sif spoil. I think, I think I can, I think I know what, what's trying to happen here, but I agree. Like, it is this supposed to be an in to like this whole? Yes. yes. I, I believe so. It's I, poorly done. Poorly I, I done agree. Then. I agree. I don't, I think it is confused. I think it is, um, uh, not not clear as an audience member. I think that could be one of those things that just happens when you've written a story. It's so clear to you what's going on that that it's kind of hard to see it with fresh eyes. And yes, I agree with you for a for a fresh audience member. I'm not sure that makes uh, you know a lot of sense what they're doing there. So yeah, yeah. yeah. But we can talk about it more in Sif Spoil. In fact, I don't yeah. I don't have a ton other to say outside no. of the spoiler stuff, which I think will be important for this. So if you've seen it. And uh, and want to hear the the you know the spoiler talk? Uh, we will definitely get into that in a separate episode. Aaron, I in just your want you to know, week. yeah, you're so brave. <laughs> Thank you. You're, you're so brave. I appreciate that. Uh, all right, let's go ahead and head into our next review. Uh, we're going to talk about the movie Cop Shop. The legendary Bob Vidic. You're a psychopath. I'm a professional. You pissed off the wrong people. I'm gonna kill you. Drop that gun. No one kills anyone in here. You say you fell? Yeah, yeah. Well, to clarify, I shot him in the head and then he took a little tumble. On the run from a lethal assassin, a wily con artist devises a scheme to hide out inside a small-town police station. However, when the hitman turns up at the precinct, an unsuspecting rookie cop finds herself caught in the crosshairs. Uh, I had not heard much about this movie until very recently, when a few people who I know and respect uh, told me I needed to see cop shop and so we decided to put it on the review list uh gerard butler uh frank uh grillo and alexis louder are the three primary characters that are talked about in the description uh toby huss uh coming in uh, for a bite to eat as well uh what did you think of uh cop shop did you like it love it dislike it hate it or it was just okay andrew i liked it uh Either straight down liked it or low side of liked it, but definitely liked it. Okay, it's in that it's in that conversation area. I'm I'm uh, glad to have this conversation. Um, I think I'm gonna go ahead and tip myself over into the loved it category. Um, it is right on that low side of loved it, high side of liked it for me. Um, yeah, I, I really really liked this movie, and I'm gonna go ahead and say low side of loved it uh, even. Um, fantastic i i well you start off (laughs) i sure do uh i'm gonna grant some of this to low expectations i'm gonna grant some of this to the fact that these aren't the kinds of movies i usually fall for and so when i'm enjoying certain parts of what's going on here when i'm uh really enjoying some of the character work that's happening here 
I think I'm more apt to kind of dial that up a little bit and go, oh, this is fun. This is so cool. This is so great. Uh, but a lot of it comes down, I think, to this is a movie where every single person in the movie and putting the movie together understood the assignment. Like, this is a movie yes. that completely yes. gets exactly what it is. And everybody in it is in the same movie getting exactly what this is. Um, from, uh, you know, Toby Huss uh, to Alexis Louder to Frank Grillo. He steals Grillo. the movie. Toby Huss is, is incredible in this. He steals uh, the movie. It, his character, the way that character is written, steals the movie. Like, it's just... And we've yeah. seen it so many times before, right? It's not like a new thing when a character comes in and is kind of a little crazy, but you know, um, but man, I've 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 just it's so good. He's so good at it. I think his levity it this movie isn't bombastic, it's not crazy, but it's 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 tipsy. It's tips, it's like if the, if you're not drunk on ex- excessiveness, mm-hmm. sure. it's it's at least buzzed. You know, yeah. it's it's right on the edge. And I think that his the levity that he brings to a movie like this, uh, the way he portrays this character is great. He's easily my favorite part of the movie. Yeah, I love Toby Huss. Uh, I also immediately have uh, fallen in love with Alexis Louder. Alexis uh, Louder, yeah, uh, absolutely. I, I think her her character is so good and is the other primary reason I think I tip over into loved it. I'm not used to... To with these types of movies, at least recently, being so clear about what my rooting interest is, like I like you know it, it is it is not a movie that falls into the nihilism I think of a lot of these types of movies where it's just like a bunch of really cool people, but they're you know they're all um, you know what's what the word just slipped my mind, but um, you know when your protagonist is Cops. also terrible like um you know it's it's all like a whole genre oh, an anti-hero like, yeah an anti-hero thank you it, it's not like everybody's an anti-hero there's an actual hero in this movie no like, yeah you, you know what i mean and that's kind of refreshing i love that like this rookie cop is the hero this rookie cop is who i'm rooting for and invested in and you know and again we've talked about the fact that it's not like i, I have to have somebody to root for but i i have to understand at least what the rooting interest of the movie is and that is so clear here. Um, and even though there is a lot of respect and charisma given to the other characters, uh, I was very clear as an audience member where my my allegiance lies. And I think, yeah. um, and I, I I just I can't uh, I can't overstate how much that meant to me watching this movie to be able to go, oh, I can enjoy the the cool dumb one liners and the you know, the the crazy, stupid things people are doing in this because I'm along for the ride and I'm having a good time. And uh, yeah, so I just, I kind of got caught up in it, I think. I think it was a lot of fun for me. Yeah. Joe Carnahan, who directed this, uh, yes. he's one of my like uh, like dark horse directors that I like to keep an eye on because visually he's a, I think he's a really great director. Uh, my favorite movie he did was The Gray uh, yeah, with Liam sure. Neeson. Yes. Um, but he also recently did uh, Boss Level, also with Frank Grillo. Correct. Um, 
And all these movies that he's doing are very visual, and this is no exception. What I love that he does in this movie is that I think by the end of this movie, I knew the exact layout of this police station. Like, mm-hmm. I knew exactly where everybody's yes. desk was. I yes. knew where, like, uh, I knew my way around. And that sense of familiarity really helps immerse you whenever you're watching a movie like this. Because Mm -hmm. this is a movie that pretty much takes place in a single setting. So whenever you do have that sense of familiarity, it makes... It can all it can give you comfort, but at the same time give you anxiety. Because you know where... You get a sense of like where points of danger and weakness are, and where like security like is and stuff like that. So... The movie does a really good job with that, so I want to definitely give Joe Carnahan some props for that. Yeah, no, I I totally agree with all of that. Uh, where did it lose you? Like, what what kind of brings it down a little bit for you? I I, I would honestly say I would I, I would really like this movie. Maybe loved it if it, it's a theme this week for me. The ending, <laughs> the ending of this movie. I think that the here's here's my problem with the ending. I think the uh, the the final shootout, as it were. A, I don't think that the, uh, the CGI is good at all. <laughs> like there you. are some there's some fire CGI in this movie that I'm looks like it was yeah. copy pasted. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I don't feel like it was uh, earned. Er, no, it, it was er, er, earned, but it just didn't feel tonally like it was in the same movie as you are know. You talking about the end it, ending? I'm talking about oh, I'll just or the, say the final, final shootout. The final shootout. Final okay, shootout. okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 Because up until that point, the movie had really, um, you know, kept... Uh, there, there are moments of high intensity, you know, mm-hmm. but it's done through stress and anxiety. Yes. Whereas the final shootout just becomes a, a straight-up action movie, you know? Mm-hmm. And it it just it felt like it was from and for a different movie a little bit, but since I was so familiar with the characters, I was willing to let myself go there for a bit. But it was it was an uneasy transition, let's just say. Yeah. Also, my biggest problem with this movie, besides the ending, is continuity errors. There are a plethora of continuity errors in this movie where a character will. I'm not going to talk about like uh, unlimited ammo and stuff like that, you know, because that that that's in every action movie. But like a uh, the way somebody is holding something, and then in the next scene it's held in differently, you know, in a different hand and stuff like that. That's fine, you know, for like a coffee mug or something like that. But when it's something that is like the main focus of the shot. Like, the way somebody's holding a gun, you know, Mm -hmm. when it's the main focus of the shot, and then you cut away to another character, and then you cut back, and they're standing in a completely different position, Mm -hmm. holding something completely different. I'm like, oh, I mean, I mean, come on, that's, 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 there's a continuity person on, on set for a reason, you know, Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. But yeah, those are really, honestly, my only two negatives. I can absolutely see both of those. Um, lots, lots to address there. I, I didn't notice as much as the continuity as you did. Uh, I'm sure I would. I just wasn't in like my brain. That's not what my brain was doing. Uh, you know, for a lot sure. of this movie, I was, I was really into it. 
and in the same way, um, I I think there is this beautiful things that thing that can happen when you have kind of given yourself to a movie where you just you just quit caring about that stuff. Like, and that's you know, yeah, that sounds like a bad thing, but I'm telling you, no, that's the beauty no, of that's, movies. That's a good thing. That the yeah. beauty of movies is that you that these incredibly dumb, convenient things keep happening to these people. And you just don't care because you're just having so much fun and like, you know. Why do you um, think 80s action movies lasted as long as right, they did? It's because right. yeah. you didn't care. Yeah. Ar- Arnold Schwarzenegger could throw a man with one arm 50 feet. You didn't care. <laughs> it was cool. Now, I will say it doesn't mean that there isn't a better version where those things are taken with a little more care and those kind of things. You know, that makes for an even better movie. What I'm saying is the magic of film so many times is... I have been taken to this world that I am just enjoying the adventure of being in and seeing what's going to happen next. And I'm not worried about all that little nitpicky stuff. You know, uh, that is yeah. to me, the beauty of film uh, is that can it do it? They can do that. And in fact, the movies where I am like noticing all the nitpicky stuff, it's because the movie is, is not compelling me in a way uh, that, you know, I, my, my mind can wonder to that stuff. Right. Um, so I, I'm totally with you there, there, I'm sure there is a lot more continuity stuff that, that I would notice if, if, you know, I were watching this in detail, for instance, to, you know, send it for a certain YouTube channel. Like there is, you know, there, there's certainly (laughs) stuff that, uh, you can take this movie to task for. Um, but as far as the ending goes, what I liked about it was that I felt like the characters at least we're making decisions I understood. Like I and I don't mean that in a way that like their decision making was good. What I mean that is I was never confused by, you know, like what they were doing, where they were going, what they were trying to do. Um and it was interesting. Even think Frank Grillo? Yeah. Maybe this will help clear up what I'm talking about. I found it I found it interesting that you mentioned like unlimited ammo because I actually think this movie deals in many scenes with the fact that ammo does run out and you have to find a new gun and you have to find a new, uh, you know, way to, uh, you know, stay safe. Um, there are large portion portions of the shootout uh, yeah. that we're calling at the end that don't involve any shooting because, you know, yeah. it's, it just can't. So I thought this Let's movie actually that played with that really well. <laughs> there are some guns that have two uh, magazines taped to each other, you know, one upside down so they can easily transition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I counted like... Four times that exact same combo was turned upside down. I'm like, you know, turning it upside down doesn't refill the bottom magazine. You I thought, know? They, I thought it, they pulled other magazines. I could be wrong about that. You're, you're probably right. I wasn't paying too close of attention to it, obviously. I but. could be wrong, too. But it's just, it's things like that that I'm like, oh, I'm watching a movie. You know, mm-hmm. it's stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. And this isn't a movie that really fully, you know, like... You don't get lost in it by any stretch of the imagination. I don't want to give people that impression. But there are moments like that where you're like, it it, it just takes you out for a split second, and then you can get back in. Did you that's feel nitpick, like... That's a nitpicking negative, Oh, sure, by the sure, way. of course, of course. Um, did you feel like the very end of this movie was sequel baiting or just landing the theme of the movie? Landing or both. the theme of the movie. I felt more I landing don't think the that theme, this, but... Yeah. yeah, I don't think this is sequel baiting at all. Yeah. I think that this is very much in the uh, the realm of like Lucky Number Eleven, the way that the, that mm-hmm. movie ends with them playing the Kansas City Shuffle as like a callback, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love the in or the very very end of this movie where they're like mm-hmm. in the car and stuff like that mm-hmm. and singing and stuff. I'm like, 
yeah, I, I'm digging this, you know. Yeah, I it, agree. It, that that itself just adds to the style of this movie that it's not going to take itself too seriously. Not going to take itself too seriously and yet at the same time is definitely I think trying to say something. You know, it's trying it's trying to say something about the ongoing battle between good and evil, right? It's trying to say, you know, it's it's not always crystal clear, but there's definitely a uh, a right and wrong. And this movie this this movie has really interesting ways of discussing that, really interesting ways of showing that. Um, you know, many times movies de- will deal with in like the levels of wrong. Like, yeah, this person's bad. This is this is anti-hero 101, right? This person's bad, but whoa, this person's really bad. So we're going to root for, you know, and this movie is like, yeah, let's talk about that discussion. Let's think about that. And it gives yeah. you several levels of what it means to have integrity, what it means to be selfish, you know, and it is definitely something that, that this movie is trying to do, which again, for me, uh, you know, it's hard for me to even say I love a movie that doesn't have a little bit of that. And so I was, you know, I was glad to see uh, the movie really kind of working in those ways. Um, yeah. There's some amazing shots where they're in the uh, the holdings section of the movie where Alexis Lauder's character is like, I think the camera's like panned like over her shoulder. You can see Frank Grillo on one shoulder and you can see Gerard Butler on the other. And it's kind of like that angel and devil on your shoulder sort mm-hmm. of thing yeah. going on there. And, and you know, the I think what the movie does great and it's what you're talking about. And it's why it reminded me is because in those moments, you don't know which one's the angel and you don't know which one's right. the devil, right? You know, <laughs> there, and there's even, uh, you know, the ongoing, you know, uh, the metaphor in this movie of, uh, the de- you are only one day ahead of the devil, you know, mm-hmm. like those kind of moments. I'm like, yeah, there's a there's a lot of interesting going on. Another thing I like about the Alexis Lauder character, which was Valerie Valerie Young, is that she was only a rookie in name. Right. You know, she, uh, yeah, she was a rookie to the force and maybe to that precinct, but she had proved herself. She was in the military, so it's not one of those movies where the rookie. You know, suddenly becomes a BA and they're able to take on, mm-hmm. you know, hordes of villains and stuff. You know, she was she was certified from the beginning to know what she's doing, you know. Yeah. So I really like that. Yeah, I fell in love with her pretty quickly, but I will tell you where I this movie just locked me in. There's a scene where she is holding somebody at gunpoint. And they have some words with each other. And, um, you know, I think he says something about, you know, her. Uh, being shaky or something. Your hands are shaking. Yeah, your hands are shaking. And her response just locked me. And I was just like, "Oh, yeah, I'm digging. I love this character. Like, let's do this. Yeah. Like, let's see where this goes." Um, and there yeah. were several of those moments, but that was the one where I was like, "Yep, I'm in. Let's go." And uh, yeah, if I need I somebody to protect me, I know who I'm calling. Yeah, I'm calling Alexis yeah. Louder, yeah. not Valerie Young, the character. I'm calling <laughs> Alexis Louder. I think she can handle herself too. All right, I want to talk about one other thing. Um, yeah. and this this can be my one last thing. If you have something else you want to talk about, that's fine as well. And I I will say in bringing this up, the intent is not to go into any of the details or thoughts or or um, assumptions on the actual. Um, thing that happened itself because that's not what we do here but i will say this is the first movie i've watched since gun safety has been such an issue uh in hollywood since the tragedy that happened on the film rust and it was hard for me to shake that it was hard for me not to be thinking in my mind questions like i wonder if they're using live blanks here i wonder if you know they are you know what they are doing how they're you know protecting each other there's even a scene early on where two characters pretend 
you know, to shoot each other with unloaded guns. And I'm just like, you know, ah, what is this, you know, what is this saying about gun culture? What is this saying about the, you know, those ideas? I just wondered if you had any of that, if that ever hit your brain. I just know since those events have happened, um, this was the first time I was like, oh man, like having to process, you know, just the need for that safety and maybe changing our opinions on how guns are even portrayed, you know? I don't want numb to be sure. the word I use, but it, I'm, gosh. Desensitized? Desensitized, yeah, I'm, I can only think of, besides Brandon Lee, because mm-hmm. that, that's where, after this, uh, the the effects uh, happened, happened with Alec Baldwin and Rust and stuff like that, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's, uh. This is really hard. Uh, I didn't expect well, you this question. No, 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 uh, no. And I'm not. I'm not. I'm not putting anybody on trial. Did you order the code red, Andrew? No, that's not. That's not what's going on here. Darn right, I did. <laughs> no, uh, I think I'll say this. Uh, I don't want it to come across as me saying that I feel numb or desensitized. Okay. I. It's horrible what happened, but at the same time, I. I don't want me. I don't want what I'm about to say to come across as like people who. Uh, are in charge of like gun safety and stuff on sets and movies and stuff like that mm-hmm. aren't highly trained and uh you know very very careful because i i can only think of really uh, brandon lee and what happened on the set of rust you know i mean like it, it's the fact that it's only happened a few times with as many action movies as we've had you know like big action movies with guns shooting live uh blanks and stuff like that you know that it's only happened a few times. I, I don't want it to be one of those a few bad apple kind of things. I don't want it, that to be like how what, sure. I, what I'm saying sure. is portrayed. It's horrible, but at the same time, I when I'm watching a movie, I really I kind of tune out like what's happened in the world, you know, for the most part. Yeah. Sometimes sometimes I'm be like, ooh, that's some bad taste for the the times that we're mm-hmm. living in, you know. But, yeah. Uh, no, that's a, that was me saying a whole bunch of nothing right there. So. <laughs> no, it's fine. I think I think I understand what you're saying. I think for for me, what makes it you know difficult is you you ask the questions like, okay, even if it, even if it is just one or two, which I'm not sure. I haven't done that research. You know how many injuries happen? I know those are the most two prominent deaths that have happened in that way. But you know, I'm sure there have yeah. been uh, others that we don't know about. But, you know, you start to ask, okay, if we have a better way to do this, why aren't we just doing it that way? You know, why aren't we just doing, you know, muzzle flashes in post and, and that kind of stuff and just using airsoft um, and, and that kind of stuff. And I actually recently talked to someone who uh, is a stunt coordinator and there's they had already made that decision a long time ago. They were like, we just use airsofts when we do action movies. We just put stuff up in in post and and it's kind of one of those things where for me the the reason the real world kind of invades my my brain in in these moments is because it becomes so much more real when something in the real world happens and then I'm I'm forced in my own brain to kind of uh wrestle with it and so it just kind of it, it kind of invades. So I was I was just kind of curious about that. I you know, it's not something that obviously either you or I uh, have any say in. It's not something that, you know, we have any answers about. Um but you know, just it's just kind of me expressing, you know, just kind of yeah. some of my own, my own thoughts and feelings in in watching this stuff, and you know, just trying to figure out um, 
what that means. What that means to me watching movies. Is it a negative? Is it a you know? Is it something that's going to linger? Um, I don't know. It seemed like seemed like something worth worth mentioning because it was a thought I it's had. It's definitely so. prevalent, and it's definitely what a lot of people, especially in the entertainment business, are talking about right now. Like, mm-hmm. where do we go from here? You know? Right. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, this uh, janitor slash woodworker from Missouri doesn't have the answers for you, <laughs> people. But, uh, <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah, I totally hear but that. But no, no, I, I, I don't. What I was really trying to say is, I don't want what I was saying to come across as like a, like I didn't care or it wasn't important. Well, can I tell you what I heard you say? What, what I heard you say was we should also be in, in addition to being more careful and being aware and doing whatever it takes to make sure people are safe, that we should also be like, how, how amazing is it that people have been safe enough that this hasn't been a common occurrence, you know, like that's, that's what I heard you saying was, we, you know, we should also give some love to armors and set people who have sets that are locked down and are safe and, you know, everybody knows what's going on. It does not sound like that was the case here, but, you know, props, uh, no pun intended, to the people who, you know, have that stuff locked down. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, all right. I think unless you have anything else about uh, Cop Shop, I think we can move uh, in. No post credit scene That's for true. either movie. That's true. Let's move into uh, the Best Ever Challenge. Before we do, though, uh, just a thanks to our amazing Sif Pop members. You make this show happen. Uh, we could not do it without you. If you've ever been curious about what membership is, what it looks like, you can check that out at patreon.com slash Pop. There are different levels that you support what goes on here at Sif Pop at. And then as a thank you, we kind of give you little perks, um, little fun things. And uh, one of those is a bonus podcast every week. This week we did an actual sift sort for Edgar Wright films. Uh, we agreed on one through five, uh, not including Last Night in Soho, which we both will now throw on the end of that list, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you can check that out at patreon.com slash siftpop. Lots of fun stuff there. And to those who already support, means the world to us. Thank you. We genuinely appreciate you. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. All right, let's move into the best ever challenge, best ever movies with the word last in the title. Uh, we will go number five to number one. Uh, what do you got at number five, Andrew? I am going to go with The Last King of Scotland. Nice. I had that in my honorable mentions. Yeah, it's a good choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's it's an interesting movie. Obviously, Forrest Whitaker is just chewing scenery here, and he's doing such an amazing job. Uh, it's... <sighs> It's a rough movie to get through because 
you know, where you start off with his character, you're like, oh, is he going to be the 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 one who brings, like, this country uh, out of the darkness, you know? And then you realize, like, halfway through, oh, no, he's just going to be like every other dictator who promised change, but then just wanted the powder, power and became really uh, paranoid. And that paranoia mixed with power is a dangerous combination. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's a beautiful movie, beautifully shot. The the color tones that that movie uses a, a lot of orange and reds and stuff. It's a uh, it's great. Nice, good choice, good choice. What you got? Five. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and give some uh, background of just kind of what's been going on in my brain here the last few seconds. Um, I have on my list a movie called The Last Vermeer, uh, and just realized this is not a movie I have seen. Uh, I was thinking <laughs> I was thinking of Tim's Vermeer, which is this incredible documentary about how the painter Vermeer made their painting. And I was like, oh, that's cool. I forgot about that. Oh. So like I was looking at a list of movies that have last in it and I saw the last Vermeer. and I was like, oh, I love that documentary. That's amazing. Nope. This is a Guy Pierce yeah. movie that I've never seen. So anyhow, I'm in real time adjusting my number five to number one. Uh, so I think I'm going to throw at number five, uh, Raya and the Last Dragon. Um, I really enjoyed this movie. Uh, yes, it is the same formula Disney has used in so many of their movies, but um, they use it because it works. And I had a really good time uh, with Raya and the Last Dragon. So that's what I'll throw 100% in. 100% agree. 100%. So I think out of all the Disney movies I've seen, that has like the best choreographed fight scenes yeah like the sure. choreography in that movie is like uh, stellar it's so good yep. uh yeah it barely made it, ba- it barely missed my list but uh yeah really good pick all right let's number go to our fours. number fours what do you got uh mike get trumped i'm gonna go with the last of the mohicans no no i had that in my honorable mentions as well okay uh yeah this i mean Daniel Day Lewis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there you go. Uh, <laughs> and it's a Michael Mann movie. Uh, I love Michael Mann. I think that he, the way he tells stories, whenever you like look at like a, uh, obviously one of my, my favorite movies, his is Collateral. Mm-hmm. The way uh, the film grain he use, uses, or, or The Insider is another great example of this. Um, he's just a great visual director. And uh, the, the openness... Uh, of this, uh, I-, I felt like I was transported back into the what seventeen hundred mm-hmm. some somewhere around there. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it- it's it it does fall into that. Uh, uh, I have a couple on my list. I'm not gonna lie. Of movies like this, where it's about a a, a culture of people th- where they just put a white person in in that culture. Of, yeah, and uh, yeah, uh, but it's actually. Uh, it, it makes sense. It it makes sense, mm-hmm. but it does feel forced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yep, I do, I, I do love this movie. Uh, oh, the soundtrack is so good too. Oh, the soundtrack is so good. Well, speaking of uh, of uh, racial issues, uh, my number four is the last black man in San Francisco. Um, I don't know if you ever got a chance still, to see I this. I still one. haven't seen this, but I it's really, really want good. To. It's really, really good. Um, it's just one of those movies where the world just feels like, you know, you you just you want to see what's going to happen with these human beings. Like there's nothing 
spectacular about it in any kind of, you know, mystery, magical kind of way. It's just like, you know, tell me this story. I'm so involved and it's meaningful. It's powerful. It's good stuff. So, uh, yeah, check out The Last Black Man in San Francisco if you haven't got a chance to yet. Uh, On to our number threes. What do you got at number three? Actually, this is where I have The Last Duel. Ah. We just talked about this movie a couple weeks ago. Yeah, you did. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I obviously I said I loved it, and I think it's the best movie of the year so far. Um, yeah, you call it the Rashomon technique of telling a, the same mm-hmm. story from different perspectives. Yeah, I think that it is done beautifully in this movie. Beautifully in the sense that whereas a movie like Hero is done vibrant and colorful and majestic, this is told from a different sense of like cold, bleak. Things that you really wouldn't uh, attribute to beauty, but it's beautiful in the way it's done. Mm -hmm. Uh, Performances are great. Uh, The more I think about it, the more this movie is really rising up on my list. Nice. Nice. The Last Duel. Uh, My number three is The Last Temptation of Christ. Uh, In at number three. Uh, Also just missed my list. Um, yeah, this is such an, uh, it's just such an incredible film and it's, it's buoyed by the fact in many ways, uh, because of my upbringing, there was a huge boycott of this movie because of some of the things that Jesus does in the movie and just a complete misunderstanding of what the movie is doing with those things that, you know, that it is, that it is Jesus thinking about what it would have been like to be a different kind of man, a different kind of human, yeah. you know, those kind of things while he's on the cross being crucified. And, um, man, I think this is fascinating stuff to think about. Fascinating stuff, you know, that Scorsese is doing here. It's a powerful film. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. Last Temptation of Christ. Definitely unlike any other movie Scorsese's made. Sure. Well. Maybe, uh, wait, what was the movie he just Silence. did with Andrew Garfield? Yeah, Silence. Silence yeah. I was going to say, it's, okay. it's very much yeah, in the I vein forgot of that, I just forgot that he did Silence, so, yeah. He's, he, and he, even his other movies have those, it's obvious he is wrestling and figuring out, you know, a lot of his own religious upbringing and, and what it means to him and all that kind of stuff. Even in his other movies other than Silence and Last Temptation of Christ, you can see a lot of those threads uh, yeah. throughout. So, yeah, there you go. What's, uh, what's your number two? Oh, uh, it'll get Trump, but Last Crusade. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, my number two will not get Trumped. Can I know exactly what you're. I guarantee know what it is. You, it won't get Trumped. Uh, okay, let's do it. <laughs> my number two is the Last Jedi. Um, yeah, we've we've had this conversation many many times. Uh, I think it is incredible, and I will never forget coming out of that press screening, and we both had very, very strong opinions that we thought the other one was having the same strong opinion, and they are completely opposite opinions. And we did not know that we were mirroring yeah, we pop culture we at large. We were the <laughs> Aaron, you and I are the catalyst We were patient every, zero. We were we patient, were patient zero for The Last zero. Jedi Wars. <laughs> uh, and we didn't, we didn't even know it. Um, but yeah, I love Last Jedi, so it's my number two. It's funny, whenever I think about The Last Jedi, I don't think about the movie. I think about you and me and that awkward drive back. You yeah, know? I mean, yeah. It, it, that's, that's what I get, come Wait, are you serious? You seriously hated it? That was like the greatest movie ever. And you're like, wait, you seriously loved seriously that movie? That it? was terrible. Yeah. yeah, we thought we were doing bits. Yeah, to each other. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's great. It's great. All right. Uh, so, number ones, what do you got? Well, uh, I know you're number one, obviously, but I'm mm-hmm. going to go with The Last Samurai. Okay, yeah, talk about it. Uh, like I said, this is another uh, white guy thrown into a culture mm-hmm. he's not from. But yes. this is more This is more like a, 
uh, dances with wolves, not like uh, he was. He's still he's not himself. playing somebody. Correct. Yes. Yes. Yeah, you're, exactly. you're correct. You right. Know. He's he's not cult- uh, culturally appropriating as the character. It's more just yeah. the involvement. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I think in Last of the Mohicans, Daniel Day Lewis's character was like a, an orphan that was a uh, picked okay. up by the Mohican tribe. Yeah. I yeah. think, but it's 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 very like washed over in the rest of the mm-hmm. movie to where you you don't if you're not paying attention um yeah. but yeah, if, people, Samurai, if people are going to talk more about these movies they're probably talking less about cultural appropriation and more about like white savior kind of stuff you know like that's, that's exactly that's, it, that's yeah. more of what you know the, yeah. the conversations where, that would happen yeah and i think honestly that's where uh last samurai like stands above the rest because I don't think that we are supposed to look at Tom Cruise's character as the white savior. Because mm-hmm. if anything, he is the one being saved. You know, he's coming to this uh, mm. uh, this uh, this village, and you know he's uh, got PTSD. He's an alcoholic. You know, and by the time the movie gets to the end, he's fighting with the samurai not because he's you know like a uh, he he feels like he's destined to be a samurai or something like it. he's mm-hmm. grateful you know he's like these people like they've they've given me peace you know they've given me so much if i can do something for them this is what i want to do ken watanabe is insane in this movie how good he is the the katsumoto character is just a walking uh like a prophet almost like Mm -hmm. everything he says is wise and like uh it's it's great i I absolutely love this movie hans zimmer score obviously one of the best yeah uh yeah last night it's uh pretty close to it's in my top 20 movies of all time so nice there we go nice uh, and of course, here Indiana we come Jones to it. You have chosen crusade. wisely, Aaron. Yes, yes. Uh, second week in a row, I've had uh, this movie pretty high on the list. Yeah. Uh, so, Me too. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Uh, just you know, go back in your podcast feed, uh, search last for week. the last week's uh, best ever challenge, and hit replay. Because um, yeah, it's it's my favorite Indiana Jones movie, aside from Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which we said last week. As well. Of course, so, of course, that's yeah. that's always number one. Uh, yeah. All right. What about uh, honorable mentions? Um, I have a couple left. Did you have any left? Uh, well, you took a, a couple of mine. The only one, uh, one that I would throw out is a movie. I, I the more and more because I just rewatched it recently, and I realize now this movie is just totally misunderstood. And that's the mm. Last Action Hero. Yeah, yeah. I totally. I had my honorable mentions as well. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like the meta-ness that this movie, like mm-hmm. the level of meta-ness that this movie is going on. Is like, yeah, this is a, uh, it's a beautiful, not beautiful. It's it's a it's a beautifully funny movie, mm-hmm. but also like the pain and stuff, like the real world, like th- what we. It's exactly it's talking about like what we use movies to do, it, it, mm-hmm. and that's to escape, you know. Yeah, and uh, it's kind of like a wake up call. Like you got to wake up eventually, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I definitely had uh, Last Action Hero as well. I also mentioned uh, The Last Starfighter, which I think is uh, is a fun movie. Yeah. And then Last Flag Flying, uh, which I don't know if you ever got a chance to to get around to see that one. But uh, Last Flag Flying, it's pretty powerful, pretty good, um, probably worth 
watching just for the cast alone. I mean, you've got Cranston, Lawrence Fishburne, Steve Carell, um, you know, all hanging out and doing pretty good stuff together. So, uh, so yeah, um, it's it's definitely worth checking out, and I thought worth putting on the the list. Uh, Last flag flying. Okay. Uh, all right, brings us to our buried treasure. Andrew, um, I will let you go last on this one. Uh, I recently saw one of, I think two, I think I have two remaining movies on my Spielberg um, list of shame, and I knocked one mm. of them off, um, and that would be The Color Purple. Uh, so oh. finally got around to seeing The Color Purple. Uh, it is available to stream on HBO Max if you want to check it out. Uh, I kind of went back and forth on this one. It's it's interesting because I think overall I really, really liked it, or I, I actually pro- wouldn't probably be talking about it in Buried Treasure. I, I really enjoyed it because I think the highs are really, really good. I'm not sure every choice Spielberg makes here is is exactly right, but I do know when this moment when this movie hits its big moments, they are big moments. Um, you know, this is this is, uh, in, in case you don't know anything about it, it deals with um, racial relations in the early 1900s and the idea of what it meant to kind of break out of that circle um, and especially poverty and how that impacts a lot of those kind of things. Um, and man, I just, I, I really, really thought it had some powerful things to say and said those things powerfully for the most part. There are just times where I'm just like, eh, I'm not sure I need this scene, or I'm not sure you're exactly, you know, uh, approaching this one, right. Or those kind of things. It, it shows its age a little bit in some places. Cause this was mid eighties, uh, when 85. this came out. Uh, so, so yeah. So, so yeah, color purple, I think definitely worth a watch. Check it out on, uh, HBO max. If you haven't seen that. And, uh, Spielberg knows how to make movies. At the end of the day, you know, I think you know, so. You know, you're you're gonna see something cool. Uh, Andrew, yeah. what about you? <clears throat> well, Aaron, as you know, I'm gonna be going through my list of shame through the years. We are going all the way back to the year 1992. The LA riots had commenced. The Mall of America opened its doors. Mm. Hurricane Andrew had hit the U.S. <laughs> I turned six years old, and a little ditty of a movie was released called Sneakers. Nice. You'd never seen yeah. Sneakers before, huh? No, I hadn't, but I've heard you talk about it, and I've heard mm. other people talk about it. I didn't... Uh, what I thought was initially going to be a uh, like a pre-Ocean's Eleven sort of thing... Okay, sure, yeah. Quickly, quickly, because you just have this... Uh, this uh, rat pack, you know, squad mm-hmm. of, you know, misfits and stuff like that, quickly turned into something new and different after you realize, oh, they're not... They're not really like robbers. They they rob, but also like as a security. Like here's where you know the flaws in your mm-hmm. security and stuff. Right. Are. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay, so that's what the movie's going to be about. And then the movie changes again, <laughs> and uh, it uh, it it turns into a uh, uh, what would you call it a, uh, a a kind of a noirish, you know, like uh, sure. Who 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 are who are the the people at the top. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, I've, I knew the twist coming, you know, like uh, about one of the characters fairly early on. But I'll just say this. The more and more of the movies I watch, the more I realize Brad Pitt is just a young Robert Redford. You know, it's sure. the way both of these guys carry themselves. and They kind of look similar, too. Mm-hmm. But uh, their, their charm and charisma is very similar. It's... It's almost uncanny. I know they did a Brad Pitt and Robert Redford did a movie a, like 
10, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. That was decent. It was fine. But uh, but I really like this one. I love Sidney Portier in this. He's great. Dan Aykroyd's just goofy. And I've, I had his name on the top of my head. I should have had it pulled up here. Sorry. No, you're good. But no, I wanted to give a shout out to uh, David Strathairn. Yeah. Because I think that he is just super good in this movie. Whistler. And then, of course, you have River Phoenix. Yeah, Whistler. Mm-hmm. I love everybody's nickname too. Dan Aykroyd's mother. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it, it's 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 just fun like that. Yeah, I I actually had a really good time with this one, and uh, it, it's one of those movies where I didn't know what I was going into, and every step of the way, when I just got comfortable with something, it 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 was good transitions from one genre film to the other. I liked it. Well, now you know everything about sneakers. There are no more secrets. Uh, for, no more secrets. For Andrew on this one. Uh, yeah, no. I mean, I could talk about sneakers all day long. Love this movie. Um, what a cast. You didn't mention James Earl Jones or Bing, Ben Kingsley. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, even Stephen Tobolowski, uh shows up uh, You know, for a cup of coffee. Um, Timothy Busfield. Like, yeah. Uh, this is this is a lot of fun. So yeah, check out sneakers if you haven't seen it. Um, it is it is good stuff. Timothy Tobola or uh, Stephen Tobolasfield. Oh, Timothy yeah, Busfield. Yeah, yeah, I meant Timothy Busfield. He plays kind of the same character in every single one of his movies. Sure. Yeah, just that that schemy, like oh, I, he has that smile on his face. We're like oh, I, you're up to something, and I just I can't trust anything you're ever. He was the same in West Wing. He was that. He was like that, especially in Field of Dreams. Yeah, you know. But uh, yeah, he's yep. good at what he does. Definitely good at what he does. Uh, in the live chat, they're asking which is the only remaining movie on my Steven Spielberg list of shame. Um, Jurassic you, Park. Just Jurassic Park. No, it is not. Do you know what? It, do you, uh, what, what would be your official actual guess be, Andrew? Amistad. No, I've seen Amistad. Um, it's actually it makes sense. Is it you, is it is it earlier or later in his career? That's what I was gonna say. It makes sense when you realize that I came to movies late, and so a lot of stuff that's on my list of shame is going to be from before nineteen ninety. So Jaws. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I have seen Jaws. Uh, no, it's Empire of the Sun. Uh, is I haven't even seen Empire of the Sun. So that would be the only one that I have not seen yet. So. Um, I'm sure I'll be checking it out soon uh, as I kind of work my way through my list of shame. Uh, and I'm like two years away from uh, Empire of the Sun. So we'll get there. Oh, eventually. Empire, yeah. I haven't seen it, but I really want to. This was like yeah. one of Christian Bale's like first movies. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there you go. We did it. We did a podcast, Woo! Andrew. Just you and me, buddy. Yeah, we did. We talked about some movies I'm and such. Proud um, of you. Thank you. Proud of you as well. Thank you so much for joining us today for the podcast. It is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. Uh, You can find out uh, more about other shows on the network at studiodna.media or by searching Studio DNA in your podcast player. Huge thanks to Andrew for hanging out today. Thank you, buddy. Big thanks to producer Phil for producing the audio and video show. Thanks, Phil. Thank you to Drew for putting together visuals for the show. Appreciate that. Yeah, buddy. And uh, much love and gratitude to our Sif Pop members for helping us out as well. Again, if you're interested in becoming a Sif Pop member, you can do that at patreon.com slash Sif Pop. Support starts at $3 a month and lots of fun thank you perks there 
uh, from us to you. So check that out again at patreon.com slash siftpop. Uh, lots of ways you can connect with us. You can leave a comment, a rating, or a review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you might listen. Uh, you can also email us at feedback at siftpop.com. And finally, if you're having a good time, your movie-loving friends will probably like the show too. So make sure you let them know about it and that listening is much easier than ordering a Vesper at your local bar. Uh, <laughs> we will be back next week with a uh, little little movie called The Eternals. Um, yeah, so, little indie film. Little little help. indie film from this uh, this new new upstart um, company called Marvel. We will see you then. Bye. Bye. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.